0: From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, one and all. Dan Grassa in for Greeny. Once again on 98.7 ESPN, 11th day of November 2022. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Ray Dinahan, Anthony Pusick, my buddies. They're along for the ride producing the program today. We'll take you right up until 12 noon. Then it's Barton Hahn right here on your favorite little channel, 987 ESPN. You can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Before we get started, though, this, of course, a very special day. November 11th, Veterans Day. So a happy Veterans Day, a hearty thank you. To all those that served, all those that continue to serve, those that paid the ultimate sacrifice so we can enjoy the liberties and the freedoms, which unfortunately we take for granted on a day in day out basis. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all those uh, in our armed forces. We cannot thank you enough as far as gratitude is concerned. Now, be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 800-919-ESPN. That's 800 919 ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We'll get to all the baseball stuff a little bit later on because, yes, free agency has started. The curtain is raised. The ribbon has been cut. Whatever analogy you want to use. You can sign with whoever the heck you want to sign with. They're going to throw tens of millions of dollars at you. You could put pen to paper and go on with your life and your baseball career. But not a lot has happened yet, except for Clayton Kershaw sticking around with the Dodgers, which, you know, is a little bit of a surprise, maybe just a little bit of a surprise. We'll get into the ramifications of that and what it could potentially mean for the baseball locals, which, of course is of the utmost importance, especially when you think about, you know, arguably the top two free agents who are out there on the market, both are from the Mets and Yankees with Aaron Judge and Jacob DeGrom and, you know, kind of waiting for the dominoes to fall in and around Major League Baseball once those guys decide what their future plans are going to have in store here. But it's a Friday, right? So we'll do a little football. It's a football Friday. We'll give you some picks a little bit later on before we get out of Dodge here. And it's a giant day because the Jets are on their bye week. Enjoying life, six and three, fresh off the win against the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully, no uh, ATV riding for anybody on uh, the Jets, like what happened to Xavier McKinney last week there for the New York Giants. But we talked a little bit about it yesterday. There, there, there's three things, I think, going into this one. If you're the Giants, you've got to guard against. All right, you look on paper, you're playing a Texans team, which by all accounts, you should beat. All right, they're not very good. Not very good at all. Um. But when you also, if you've watched this Giants team all season long, you kind of know how they're made up, right? You know what they're all about. Yeah, the Giants have played consistent football this year. They're not going to blow anybody out. They're not going to win any sort of laughers, right? They've won six games. They've all been by one score. You know, that's not the way the Giants are structured. They're not a high-octane football team. Methodical? Sure. Effective? Sure. They play smart? Yeah. And it's been effective for them here. But they're just not blowing teams out. That's not the way they're built. I mean, their average margin of victory in all six games this year that they've won has been less than four points. So they like to keep things interesting. You know, they if you're a fan, you got to take that heart medication when you're watching the Giants each and every week. But I think there's a few things you got to guard against when going into this game. Now, first off, do I think the Giants are going to win? Absolutely. They better win. You know, yesterday we sat here and, and, and talked about the fact that, okay, you're 6-2, and two, and I think that you're living a little bit of a charm life if you're the Giants, because the way the NFC is structured right now, um, how can I put this kindly? It stinks. Did you watch the game last night? Did you watch that barn burner between the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football? How about the fact that Carolina wins that game? They're in last place in their division. Their record is 3-7. and seven. And the overriding theme coming out of that game was that the Panthers still have a shot. Because that's how bad the NFC is. The Panthers have only one fewer win than Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are sitting there on top of the division with a losing record. I said it yesterday. I think the North and I think the South and the NFC are only getting one team in. That is it. It's going to be the division champ. So there's opportunity. And if you're the Giants, the goal is to get to 10. Now, look, if you want to steal a division along the way, hey, be my guest. I'm not stopping you. But do I think that that's likely? Do I think it's realistic? Probably not. Because if you're the Giants, you have to slay not one, but two teams that on paper are better than you in Dallas and Philadelphia. You know, if you were just going head-to-head against one of them, it's like, okay, you know, you take your shot. You still haven't played Philadelphia yet, right? You still got a couple of cracks at them. Dallas, all right, you gave it a good fight against them on that Monday night, once upon a time earlier in the season. But... You got him again on Thanksgiving Day. I just think it's going to be too tall of a task for this Giants team to win the division. But it still doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. And guess what? It still doesn't mean they shouldn't make the playoffs. You're the Jets. You're the Giants. Halfway through the season, you're in position to at least punch one of those tickets. That's the goal, is it not? And I know that the expectations get changed a little bit doesn't matter what you thought these teams were going to be at the beginning of the season I mean that, that, that means absolutely nothing it's what are they now let's deal with the reality and the reality is Giants played eight games they won six of them they have proven to be better than any of us really thought they were going to be so what do you do this week you got a team coming into your building that you should beat and the things that you guard against number one complacency right Don't get bored with the situation. Don't get bored with the fact that, hey, you know what? You're 6-2. and We're good. We got this thing figured out. You know, I thought Brian Dayball said it best the other day of practice. You know, when he said, essentially, um, guess what? Um, You know, job isn't done yet. Job isn't finished. And I think that's the way you have to approach it because the Giants aren't good enough to just kick their you know feet up and say, yeah, we, we got this. They do that on Sunday. Even Houston will beat you. is the NFL. Those guys are professionals. They're getting paid a lot of money. They're fighting for jobs. That's what this thing is all about. Giants are not good enough of a football team to just take anybody for granted. Six and two, great. But you know what? If you don't do what you've been doing all season long, you could find yourself at 6-4 and four potentially and lose to a couple of teams that you should beat before you're going into Thanksgiving Day against the Dallas Cowboys where you're going to be an underdog. And then what happens if you lose that one? Then you're 6-5? and five. Got to still have your eye on the prize and remain focused. And Brian Dayball's telling his guys that. They know that. And this Houston team is bad. All right, make no mistake about it. They are a bad football team. They don't play well on the road. They don't play well at home. They don't play well anywhere. But they got a guy that can run wild if you're not on top of your game in Damian Pierce. You know, now that Brees Hall's lost for the season, Damian Pierce is a guy who's a candidate to possibly be the top rookie offensively in the National Football League. He's that good of a player. And he can run. And the Giants, you know what? You think about where they are right now, don't get caught napping. Good news is, though, for the Giants, is that what's their strength? It's Saquon Barkley. It's the run game. Houston's one of the worst run defenses in the entire National Football League. So the game plan is going to follow the same lines that we've seen all year. Run the football. Play smart football. You know what? You might even see Daniel Jones on several design runs in this football game. Ground and pound. Remember, the Giants don't have much of a passing attack. Giants aren't going to scare anybody when it comes to throwing the football. That's not the way they go about doing business. And you know what? Is that sustainable? I don't know. I have my doubts. Like, if we're going to sit here and talk about sustained success for the New York Giants, right, You want to talk about how they can fare once you get to December and if they do make the playoffs, you know, how do they stack up with some of these teams? If you're asking me right now, I'd be a little bit skeptical. Why? Because they don't represent any sort of a threat when it comes to throwing the football with the current Cooperide receivers they have. They just don't do that. And it would be nice if maybe just maybe they can find a way to incorporate Kenny Galladay into this offense. You know, it sounds like he's maybe going to get a shot this week. That would be nice. I know we haven't seen a lot of them. I mean, he's like on a milk carton right now, a really expensive milk carton, because they're paying him a lot of money to essentially do nothing. And when you start to play better teams, and I'm not saying Houston and hell, next week, I'm not even saying the Detroit Lions. But what happens on Thanksgiving Day when you see a good team like the Dallas Cowboys, a team that could get after it defensively, you got to throw the football, right? You got to throw it. Because that's how you're going to end up winning games. It's the NFL. It's 2022. Same thing, I mean, the Jets are also suffering from the same fate a little bit here. You know, it's great what they're doing defensively. It's nice when they're able to run the football like they did last week, right? But the problem is, is that... You're going to have to be able to throw the ball against some of these better teams. And that's another story for another day, because you don't have to worry about the Jets this week. They're not playing. But if they really want to do something special, they're going to have to improve that passing attack more consistently. And the Giants, I think, are in the same boat. And lastly, you know, we never know what to expect when a team is coming off of the bye week. You hope that maybe they don't get rusty. You hope this isn't like a tale of two halves of the season. You don't want that to happen. And after all, the Giants, I'm not going to put too much stock into what happened to them before the bye week in Seattle. I'm not. You know, they were due for one of those games. Seattle's a good football team this year, much to a lot of people's surprise. A couple of things didn't go their way. It happens. But I'm not going to sit here and write off the Giants and say, oh, here we are now. They're starting to play like we thought they were going to be. Nope, not at all. Can't do that. It's not fair. They'll be fine. But it is a tricky spot. And this team hasn't demonstrated yet that they are good enough that they could just take anybody for granted in the NFL. And you've got not one, but two of those opponents coming into your building in the next couple of weeks that you should handle. And it starts Sunday against the Houston Texans. Don't sleep on them. Get to 7-2 and two and keep this special season rolling in the right direction. That's what you got to preach if you're the Giants. We're talking Giants back from the bye, taking on the Houston Texans this week at MetLife Stadium, trying to move to seven and two. It's just like, I I know we've spoken about this, but if you allow yourself to just kind of like free your mind for a second, take a step back and think about like what we're on the verge of here from a Giant perspective. If they take care of business against the Texans and the Lions, two teams they are expected to. You're going to go into a showdown on Thanksgiving Day against one of your rivals at eight and two. Now, like rewind back to the Fourth of July or something in the summer. When you're hanging around with maybe your family, your friends, your buddies at some barbecue cookout or whatever, and maybe you're talking about the football season. It's like, hey, what do you think about the Giants? Oh, I don't know. It's going to be, yeah, you know, I like the coach. We'll see what he could do. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. Who the hell knows what you're getting with Saquon? You know, I, if they win a few games this year, that's cool. And then you know what? We're going to go draft our next quarterback in the draft next year. Imagine if somebody said you're going to be 8-2 going into Thanksgiving. So what makes the NFL great, right? Makes it great if you're on the right side of it and your team is actually benefiting from it. And in this town, the two teams have been good for how many years? And we haven't been able to be on the receiving end of it. Jeff fans probably saying the same thing. Six and three going into your bye week. What a chance to go up to New England next week and get revenge on the Patriots at a game that, you know, you easily could have won just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe seven and three. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Let's get to the phones. 800-919-3776 eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Say hi to Joe. He is in Old Bridge. He's first up here on ninety eight seven ESPN. Joey, how are you?
1: Good man. Always always a pleasure to hear you, man. What's up, Joe? Not much. Uh, I was just telling the guy before, um it's just it's just like a strange kinda of like what you said. It's strange as a Giants fan just looking forward to a game off a of bye week, you know the last many years uh during a bye week you kinda of almost forgot about the season. You know, and it's oh yeah the Giants played this, this coming Sunday. Now we actually have something to look forward to. And just even more so just being able to evaluate what you have. Like in the past few years it's been such a circus. You don't know what was what, the coach, the quarterback, the running back, whatever. Now it's you know, how does how is the team gonna to respond to losing McKinney? Um, you know, how they gonna respond to adding Galladay, which is obviously a little bit of a tricky situation. And that just goes into the coaching staff and the quarterback and, you know, the defensive leaders. It's just like a, a pleasure just to have that curiosity again, you know, and then and just, you know, looking forward to something like whether it's good or bad. Well, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but at least it's something to look forward to. You know, it's just very exciting uh, as a fan. Finally,
0: Joe, you know what it is, too? I, I mean, I'll, I'll, to piggyback on what I was just saying before, think about when the schedule came out and you looked at it. You probably thought the season was going to be over already by the bye week. Right. First week of November whatever. Second week of November, you're probably thinking, ah, the season's going to be over already. What is this? Uh, Your eight games in. You, maybe you thought you were two and six. Maybe if, if things broke right, you'd be two and six, you know, win a couple of games here and there. How in whatever fashion, not the other way around. It's six and two. It's a dream.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you told me, you know, we beat Tennessee and, you know, maybe uh, Green Bay and we end up with six, seven wins on the season, I would have signed up for that. And we did that, and we're still only halfway through. You know, it's definitely like I said, it's a it's a pleasure, and like you said, I mean, just being able to potentially look forward to Thanksgiving and a game, a meaningful game. I mean, well overdue. You know,
0: no doubt about it. Joseph, thank you for the phone call, my friend. Have a good weekend. Look, bottom line is this: all that stuff you know sounds great when you're looking a couple of weeks down the road with the Cowboy game, but you got to take care of your business first. Don't sleep on Houston. Don't sleep on Detroit. So if you do that, then that game on Thanksgiving isn't going to mean as much. You know, it's not going to be built up like it would be if you got the Giants sitting there at, six, uh, at eight and two. You know, we'll see what the Cowboys do here over the next couple of weeks. They got a tricky one coming up on Sunday in Green Bay. You know, is this the game where maybe Aaron Rodgers and company snap out of their funk? You got McCarthy going to beat his uh, to play his old team there and is the place where he coached in Green Bay. And then Dallas goes to Minnesota next week, which is a difficult game for him. So, I mean, re- realistically, I don't think it's going to, I think probably the Cowboys split next two games. But if you're just playing like the schedule game, the what if, who's going to, I mean, Giants might go into that game with a better record than the Dallas Cowboys. Think about that. Turkey day. And, you know, we went through it yesterday a little bit. The way the NFC is laid out right now, like I told you before, It's garbage. It really, and I'm trying to be kind. The NFC is garbage this year. You know, in the AFC, I think you have nine teams realistically who are going to be vying for the seven playoff spots when it's all said and done. Okay? NFC, you may not even get seven teams who are playoff worthy or what we would deem to be playoff worthy even to make the postseason, but you got to get seven. I think you're going to get a team in the NFC that makes the playoffs this year with a losing record. And that was one of the things you guarded against, or maybe you were a little bit reluctant to go all in, when anytime time you talk about or these leagues talk about expanding the playoffs and expanding the postseason, I don't want teams to get in that are almost essentially like a charity. Like, oh, they don't really deserve to be there. I mean, they did not even have a 500 record. Why are they in the playoffs? Like, do we need to have them in there? And then you know what? You can say, oh, well, we've seen wild card teams go on these runs. I mean, like, you know, not that the Phillies were a sub-500 team in baseball, but they were a third-place team in their own division and were the last team in the postseason. And they went all the way to the World Series, came within two wins of winning a championship. But But that's different. Like, the Phillies weren't as in bad a shape as, let's say, some of these other teams could be that sneak into the NFL playoffs this year. Like the garbage that you get in the NFC South and anybody not named Minnesota in the NFC North. But if you're the Giants, getting to 10 is what you need to have happen. You know, get to 10. Okay, you win the next two weeks. There's eight. And then can you find a way... To get two more wins out of the final seven? I I think that's a realistic possibility. You got Philadelphia twice. All right, those are going to be tough games. You got Washington twice. You very easily could split those games. Question, I think, with those games is who the hell is going to be owning Washington whenever they're played, given the uh, press conference yesterday by the Attorney General. That should be interesting. Um, You go to Minnesota. That could be a tricky one. Dallas on Thanksgiving. And then you got Indianapolis, the fighting Jeff Saturdays coming into MetLife Stadium on New Year's Day. Extremely winnable game. You're playing a high school team. You got a high school coach. So yeah, if, if you're asking me, just looking at that, and I know this is dangerous because you never want to do it, Indianapolis, and then you get one of those two Washington games. There's your 10. Giants are going to be in the playoffs. Giants are going to be in the playoffs unless the bottom completely, completely falls out on them. And I don't think it's going to happen. I really and truly don't. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Now, coming up on November the 18th. Now, if you look at your calendar, that is a week from today, in case you didn't know that already. Michael Show celebrating 20 years on ESPN New York with a live broadcast and after party at the Palladium in Times Square. Leading up to the event, listen to D.P. and Rothenberg in the morning and the Michael K Show in the afternoon for your chance to win $1,000 per show. The K Show 20th anniversary party brought to you by the Mohegan Sun Casino.com app, the U.S. Army New York City Recruiting Battalion, Fordham University Athletics, Coors Light, Keeping New York Chill, and Tullamore Dew. When it's time to celebrate, it's Telly time. So For details on how you can win or to purchase tickets to the event, go to kshow20.com. Want to get as many people part of that as possible. 20 years. Should be applauded. And we'll do that next week, of course, there at the Palladium. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. You got some interesting games this week. When you look at the rest of the Week 10 slate around the NFL, we'll go through that a little bit later on in our next hour. We'll get you some picks, of course, for week number 10. And, you know, Jet fans enjoy the weekend. And just like Giants fans had a chance to do that last week, enjoy the weekend. Put your feet up, watch these other teams beat each other up. You know, go see how the Buffalo Bills fare, likely without Josh Allen. I mean, I mean he hasn't practiced the last two days. I don't know if he's going to practice today. Doesn't look like this is somebody who's in any sort of a rush. To get out there and play football this week. I mean, maybe the Bills are approaching this thing cautiously. They'd rather have Josh Allen in the stretch run as opposed to him going out there and maybe further uh, re-injuring in the game this week against the Minnesota Vikings, which could be tricky. I I know the Bills have a good football team. I think top to bottom, when healthy, when whole, they're the best team. Said it all last week leading up to the Jet game. But Josh Allen is so important to that team. He really and truly is. So that's why this game, if he can't go this week and you're looking at Case Keenum trying to beat the Minnesota Vikings, it, it, it's, it, it really changes the outlook for how that game could unfold. He is essentially like their entire existence offensively. The guys counted for like the Bills have scored 25 touchdowns this year offensively. Josh Allen has accounted for 23 of them, either with his arm or with his legs. That's a hell of a lot of offense to suddenly be without. He's accounted for 82 percent of their offense in terms of yardage, and all of a sudden you're taking that out of the lineup, maybe, and just sticking some other guy in there. Good luck. It's a good thing they're home. Maybe they had to give him a little bit of a boost, and maybe the fact that Minnesota's due to lose a game, you know, with the way they've been playing this year. Minnesota's another one of those clubs that I didn't see seven and one. No way, no how. You know, six in a row. Kevin O'Connell's a guy whose name is flying under the radar for any sort of Coach of the Year discussions. I think it's Brian Dayball. Sticking with that. And, you know, you're at the midway point of the season, so you could kind of maybe start to look ahead as to, you know, who's in the running for these individual honors. And, you know, I know everybody's writing their articles and stuff on the websites about, you know, who should be worthy of this and that and, and all these other things. I think that, you know, Brian Dayball's Coach of the Year But Kevin O'Connell's not far behind him. Pete Carroll's not far behind him. Robert Sala, not far behind him. I mean, Nick Sirianni, best team in the league right now, record-wise, with the Eagles. Those would be the five. And we'll see what happens over the uh, next eight, uh, eight, nine weeks and how it all shakes out here. Um, So we'll do the football a little bit later on here. A little bit more. Give you some picks. Send you off into the weekend. Try to make you a little bit more uh, wiser. Going into these games here on Sunday. And hopefully they're better than the garbage we saw last night. That was, I mean, I tried to stay with it as long as I could. It was just, and and I couldn't believe how many people were there. You know, you got two awful teams. They're sitting in a rainstorm out there in Carolina. It was, I I couldn't believe that there were that many bodies in the seats, that there even were. Free agency is underway in Major League Baseball. It's official, it's here. You could sign anybody, whoever the heck you want. And you're expecting, you know, names to come flying off the board fast and furious like you see in the NFL. Remember, the NFL gives you like that legal tampering period for the 48 hours leading at the free agency. Remember that? How like you're allowed to talk with agents, talk with players, but nothing is official. It's like the worst kept secret. And meantime, all these insiders and reporters, they're breaking all these news about this team has an agreement in place with this guy. But it doesn't become official again until March, whatever, when the league year begins. But you know that players are already signing with teams and they're working out contracts. Baseball, they like to take their sweet old time. The free agency and the hot stove period in baseball, it's very similar to watching a baseball game. Yeah, there's not a lot of action. It's very methodical. There's a lot of downtime between pitches. Maybe not as much starting next year because we're going to have a pitch clock, thank God. But you know, guy throws a pitch, batter steps out of the batter's box, he adjusts his batting gloves, he adjusts his helmet, makes sure that, you know, everything is fit properly before he steps back in there to to see the next pitch. That's kind of like how free agency is. You know, the big highlight of the baseball offseason are the winter meetings. And this year they're in San Diego and they're the first week of December, December 4th through the 7th. And generally that's when a lot of the activity takes place. With the hot stove season. So if you're a baseball fan and you're sitting there like, oh, great. We got to wait three more weeks, maybe, before we actually get some real news. And remember, there's a lot of guys free. A lot of guys out there. A lot of free agents. Hundreds. But how come they're not falling off the board here when now you can? Well, there's a lot of reasons, of course. You know, if you're somebody like uh, that's represented by Scott Boris, who makes sure that he gets the absolute largest dollar figure for his client that he could possibly attain he is going to have them take their time you know he's going to want to have to set the market after some of these other names come off the board well if this player went for this we want to top that doesn't matter if it's a good situation a bad situation if they're a good team a bad team bottom line is we want to get them the most money so those tend to take a while right Remember, when Bryce Harper signed with the Philadelphia Phillies all those years ago, that went almost right into the start of spring training, dragging it all out. But I said the other day, I don't think that when you're looking at the two big ones, or at least specifically Aaron Judge, I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I don't even think that Aaron Judge is going to drag on into the new year. I don't even think that the Aaron Judge situation... I don't even think you're going to have to wait till the middle of December. I think you're going to know one way or the other. So within the next month, you'll know if Judge is putting the pinstripes on again or if he's wearing some other team's uniform, whether that's in San Francisco, whether it's in L.A., whether it's wherever. I just don't think it's going to take very long. Because Judge doesn't strike me as one of those guys. Not that we really get that good of a read on him anyway, because he's very reluctant to kind of let you inside and to really give any sort of an insight as to how he's thinking or what he's thinking. But you know that he likes being a Yankee. You know that he probably still wants to be a Yankee, right? The guy moved down to Tampa, for crying out loud, right near the Yankees' home base. So, I mean, he's like following the Jeter script tried and true. If indeed he is the de facto captain-in-waiting or the next captain-in-waiting for the New York Yankees. But here's the difference. You're going to have to pay him. He wants to be compensated. He'd like to be a Yankee, but all other things have to fall into place and all other things have to be commensurate to what a guy of his stature is deemed worthy of receiving. Like, oh, I don't know, a guy who hit 62 home runs this year and set the American League single season record, a guy who turned down $213 million last year from the Yankees and bet on himself and went out there and absolutely shattered any sort of expectations that probably anybody had for him, maybe even himself. He bet on himself, sure. But if you said to him, hey, you, you know, you think you're going to hit 62 this year? I don't think he would have believed that. Because remember, it took the guy a couple of weeks to hit his first home run, right? It's not like it was like from start to finish, boom, boom, boom. No. Took him a little while to get going. Yeah, the playoffs are a different story. Whatever happened in the playoffs are the playoffs. Get him next year, right? But if you're a Yankee fan, you just hope he's in that uniform still. The only thing that I also I'm kind of skeptical on is that here a lot of these people oh, the Yankees are prepared to spend a lot of money really because when have we seen that in the past I'm talking about like in in in, in recent years when have we seen that like what when was the last big free agent that wasn't a Yankee that they went out there and gave an enormous check to whose name is not Garrett Cole because other than that I'm having a hard time finding it. So if they retain Judge, great. If they give Judge $300-plus great. That's what they're supposed to do. But if I'm going to sit here and believe that not only are they going to retain Aaron Judge, but they're also going to be big spenders when it comes to reeling in other guys who are available in baseball, that's where I have a hard time jumping in with two feet. I'm sorry. I just can't. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. And you can always get me on Twitter, too, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Jets are off this week. They'll be back at it a week from Sunday up in Foxwood. But you know what? Artie in Brooklyn still wants to talk about the green and white. Art, how we doing?
2: Oh, this is the best week. No stress. No stress. This None. NFL, No <laughs> one was six and three. It's the best. But I'm going to tell you right now, put it down. December 22nd will be the day that the Jets clinch the playoff spot. Thursday night twenty second. You know why that's going to be the day? Because that's the day I can't make it. I have a wedding. <laughs> All right, so,
0: you know. Well, that it, it, was the that the day. one that had the old invitation that you were telling me about?
2: No, no, no. This is Beautiful. This is Another one. It just figures, right? <laughs> that that's the day that I'm going to going to a wedding and stuff like that, that that's it. I'm looking, I'm going, can they possibly, possibly clinch it in the, in the day before against the uh, against the Lions? Um, that, that's the week before. And I'm looking at the schedule here, Dan. You, you, you see if, if uh, I want to take your, your, your take on this, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The season starts, all I want is to see that Wilson's going to be the, the, the guy that the picks are good and that we can compete next year, right? Mm-hmm. We lose to the Patriots. It's a, it's a downer and stuff like that. No way we beat the Bills. We beat the Bills. Now, all of a sudden, we go back to the expectations that we're making the playoffs, that we have a shot at the division, and stuff like that. So, I'm asking you, not as a Jeff fan, you have the difference between Wilson and all these other quarterbacks, Fields, Hurst, all these guys that are running the ball, Allen, all these guys. And I don't want, look at the, the hit that Wilson took. How about the helmet that they didn't even make the call? I don't want this guy, um, you know, trying to run and stuff like that. And I'm thinking that how is this team, if, if they don't make the playoffs, should I, a Jeff fan, be disappointed? If they like, don't if make the playoffs like, well, this what, year? What should my feelings be? I'm happy with this team right now. But I am going to be disappointed if they don't win, if they don't go 4-4 four four in the next eight. What, what is that is that the right feeling to do like what, am i too greedy no what?
0: The art, I think that is I think that is a level headed approach to it. Because you know what? Expectations are one thing before a season starts, but once it starts, once it gets rolling a little bit, those expectations change. Just like I was talking about before with the Giants. It's the same thing. You're six and three with the Jets, right? You gotta find a way with the eight games you still have left. Like you said, go five hundred the rest of the way. I think you go five hundred, you're gonna be in the playoffs. Ten wins is gonna get you in this year.
2: And how about this? Big Buffalo without arguably our two best offensive players in Hall and, and, um, and Tucker. It's, it's yep. amazing. I am so happy with this team. All right, man. Thanks for taking the call, bud. All
0: right. You'll be good. Appreciate it as always. But I mean, you know, the bottom line is this the Jets were building this thing. And, you know, when they mapped it out up on the old chalkboard, they circled 2023. That was the year that they were really going to make a push, right? That was when the quarterback was going to be in his third year. So you would like to think all the rust was going to be worn off. He was going to be a seasoned player. The talent around him was going to be acceptable enough and built up to where you had a lot of good players, both offensively and defensively. So when 2023 hits, this team is ready to compete and make a run maybe even to win a division, maybe even to go deep in the playoffs. Like, that was the goal. You want to say that they're a little bit ahead of schedule this year? Fine. Right? You want to say that they've surprised? Fine. I think what it is, more than anything else, is that the young players on this team, they're flashing a hell of a lot sooner than maybe anyone realistically expected them to you know so much for the the, the 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 rookie wall or the rookie jinx or anything like that because when you look at this club the best players on the team are all you know first second or third year players they're the ones leading the charge i don't know if anybody in your wildest dreams i don't care who you are i don't care who you draft i don't care you know you have to expect that there's going to be some rough patches along the way that's not happening with this team and as Artie said, you already lost a couple of guys offensively who might have been your two most important players or two of your most offensive players already on offense, and you don't skip a beat. You keep on going. And if you want to go back to the beginning of the year when you're looking at the schedule, it was murderous up until this point on paper, the way it was laid out. That's why you had some yo-yos out there saying that they could start 0-9. Oh, I don't know where that win is coming from before the bye week. Jets are going to be done before they get the Veterans Day. They're finished, done. Kaput. But then, if, you know, you always said, well, if they could tread water, if they could, you know, at least win a few games and, and, and stay above water a little bit, the schedule eases up after Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, we're almost at Thanksgiving. And you already got six wins in the bank. You got three more home. Isn't that amazing? You only got three more home games. Like, like where did the home schedule go? But, all right, maybe that Chicago game is a little bit trickier than maybe you thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, given the fact that, you know, the Bears are actually letting Justin Fields do the things that he does best and maybe he's best suited to do. There's a novel approach, right? Coaches actually playing to their players' strengths instead of trying to fit them as like the square peg into the round hole, which is not the best plan of attack. And the Bears have made that change, and you see how Justin Fields is taking advantage of it. So that could be a tricky game in a couple of weeks. You got the Lions coming in. You got the Jaguars coming in. Jets are going to be favored in all three of those home games. You'd like to be able to sit here and say they're going to win them all, but, you know, they're winnable games. You don't want to stub your toe. All right, that get, let, let, let's say for argument's sake, that gets you to nine right there. You got another win somewhere along the way? At New England next week, certainly winnable. At Minnesota, it's going to be a tough game. At Buffalo, it's going to be a tough game. But might be a heck of a lot more winnable if Josh Allen's not playing that day. We, don't know. we still don't know exactly what the heck's going on with his elbow. Got no idea. They're being as hush-hush as possible. And then you go out on the road the last two weeks in Seattle and in Miami. Find a way to get four more. Certainly possible. Certainly possible. What were the odds at the beginning of the year? I don't even know if you have those type of odds. Like, I don't even know if they were anything that existed. What were the odds at the beginning of the year about the Jets and the Giants winning double-digit games and both making the playoffs? Like, if you could have got any action at all on a bet like that, you'd probably be a rich man in a couple of weeks, if indeed it comes to fruition, because th- nobody saw that happening. Nobody. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That's the telephone number. Um, we talked about the Knicks yesterday. We talked a lot about the Knicks yesterday, as a matter of fact, because you know what you saw from them in Brooklyn the other night was well, you didn't see anything. It was a no show, right? That's what happens when a team fails to even step out onto the floor and give an honest effort. That's what happened against the Nets. And you looked ahead to these two games. That they have coming up here this weekend. He got the Pistons tonight. And he got Oklahoma City in a matinee on Sunday afternoon. Two home games. Two winnable games. But you got to really make sure you take care of business. And maybe you needed a disaster like what happened the other night in Brooklyn. That could light a fire under this team. And maybe wake them up to where they start to establish a little bit of consistency. A little bit of rhythm for starters. Because that's something that's been missing really all season from this team. Any sort of sustained success. Forget about like from one game to the next. How about just like sometimes within the same game? And really it was frustrating because that game that they played on Monday night in Minnesota, that was like maybe their best game of the year from start to finish. Like they were that good. And to have a complete and utter no-show in Brooklyn was really disheartening. And we mentioned these two games this weekend, why they're so critical because the stretch of games that they have coming up after that, where you go out on the road to the West Coast, which is always, always going to be a problem. Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, Oklahoma City again. And then you come back home to the Garden, you're playing a good Portland team and a good Memphis team. Those seven games, I mean, realistically, like if you're hoping to maybe steal a couple of wins there, like what's the best you could hope for as a Nick fan in those seven games? Maybe you go three and four. Maybe. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd sign up for four and three just to be able to have a winning sort of a record during a stretch like that. But it's not going to be easy. But maybe you digest it a little bit better if you're able to win a couple of these games and win both of these games tonight and coming up on Sunday. I think these are super, super critical games for this team. Because that one the other night, it's kind of like a virus, and you don't want it to fester because I think that any Nick fan is going to remember that performance just because how ugly it was. A game that you shouldn't have had any sort of trouble getting up for. A team that has beaten your brains in for the last couple of years. A team that supposedly you're competing with for bragging rights in the area. And now they've beaten you, what, eight straight times? They were beating you by 35 points in that game. How about rising up and playing a good one tonight? No, oh, by the way, taking care of business on Sunday, too.